0: Yes, yes, yes. Welcome in to questions from the audience on the Tim McKernan show. Uh, it's a it's a podcast for only the cutest boys to uh, ask me questions. Uh, some of which uh, have to do with uh, sports. Some of which have to do with politics. Some of which have to do with uh their sexual uh proclivities perhaps fantasies i don't know maybe this is becoming penthouse form. i uh, candidly i'm not sure but i do love recording questions from the audience last week we had a great one where we had a deep dive into the irishman um with me and gangster pete i've returned um to my basement which really is i think a metaphor um, in so many different ways, but, uh, last week with we the home dot com studios, we're at the studios. Now the podcast returns to my basement and, um, I'm in a questions from the audience mood right now. So perhaps I don't want to set the expectations high. Um, I can't imagine they're really that high anyway, but, um, I'm in a, here's what I have done today. Today's, uh, what do we got, uh, take a look here. Uh, Monday, December 9th. So I did the show um you know standard stuff, seven to ten um, and then um I interviewed my dad, and this was something that a number of you and i don't want I don't want to overstate it and make it like you know a hundred people emailed about it, but I have gotten d- double digit emails from different people, and it's been mentioned on the t m a fan page about in, uh, interviewing my dad and um and I was hesitant about it because um I was just worried that um, that both of us uh, would start weeping, and and then and then also I didn't know, but I knew that it wouldn't be live on the radio. That he might say something uh, more about the, the radio business or an individual, and uh, and then i would be like, oh, that's gonna be awkward. I'll have to edit that out or whatever, and it, and then, and. It, it, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it was. I, I don't know. I don't know if I, I I didn't want to come face to face with, like, that emotion of a father and son having a conversation about some things and, in my case, learning some things, perhaps. But I I was initially hesitant, like, really he, Like, I wasn't going to do it, actually. I wasn't hesitant. I was not going to do it. Um, but then... Um, You know, it was in part Jay Randolph Jr. and how much he loved the fact that we did the interview with his dad on this podcast, which I would really recommend to people. Um, And then a number of the listeners, you know, so a lot of you guys, and of course the uh, millions of women who listen to this, really played a role in changing my mind. Um, And a lot of it was: you have a son, your brother has daughters, uh, my other brother has a son. And, you know, th- they will now always have this interview, which I guess went like, a, like I guess two hours. I was not expecting that. Uh, I really wasn't. Um, they'll always have it. And that, that gives me um, a, a great peace of mind. So we will share this one. Um, as things are scheduled right now on the podcast, as far as guests go, my guest this week is Seth Wickersham, uh, author of the story in ESPN, uh, I guess it was ESPN.com on the Rams and Chargers and Spanos versus Cronky and the St. Louis lawsuit. That's this week. Um, and then next week as is scheduled, we haven't done it yet. Um, will be Jack Danforth. Uh, he is coming in on uh, Thursday, the 12th felt like that had some timeliness to it with the impeachment hearings and uh and so he will be next week and then for the week of christmas i thought it was fitting to have um my interview with uh my dad for the week of christmas so that's kind of how we have this thing mapped out for the next few weeks if you missed recent ones subscribe to the podcast i really do think we're doing some good stuff honestly if i didn't think i think pick six is a dumpster fire But as far as, like, the entertainment value of guys picking football games incorrectly, I think there's something to be said for that. And producer Joe being batshit, I think there's something to be said for that. Um, And then questions from the audience. I really liked having Gangster Pete on board last week. Uh, Maybe I'll bring him in uh, more often. Um, Perhaps uh, Iggy Plowhawk runs the board for Frank Cusimano and Martin Kilcoin until noon, so it makes it tough on that sense because we record usually right after the show. Uh, and then, of course, the guest interviews. Um, and it's all made possible by the home loan Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies at evergreenstl.com. Uh, Johnny Londoff, Chevrolet Highway 270 in the Washington Elizabeth Exit online at landoff.com. Chevy, find new roads. Design Air, heating, and cooling online at designairservice.com. The number one train dealer in the Midwest. And the great James Carleton, my insurance agent. I am sitting in the basement that he saved. James, you saved my basement. You know you did, though. 314-961-4800, online at carltoninsurance.net. So subscribe to the podcast, spread the word. Um, it's three different podcasts each week. Who knows? Maybe we'll wind up doing more. I don't know. I, I, all I know is I like doing I like doing it because like, I'm like, oh, 10 minutes ago, I'm like, I've been on the phone. That's what I was getting ready to say. Did the show, the interview with my dad. Then I've been on the phone almost the entire time since I got done with the interview with my dad. And then you would think, and I have a bottle of water here. You would think at some point I'm going to start uh, losing my voice or just be exhausted and for whatever reason, by the way, I don't know, I don't know why, but I'm like, oh, let me, let me do questions from the audience. So I'm in that place and all I do is I take out this little recorder, it's got the microphone and we just go. I like that. I like the ability to do that. Um, so I'm in that place and I also saw on the fan page um, some questions that I thought were good questions and I remember that there had been a good, bunch of good emails. So I feel like we're loaded for bear. Uh, you guys have done your job with the questions, so I will attempt to do my job with uh, the answers. And like I said, maybe they'll lead to more questions in the future. And uh, I don't think we have any Penthouse Forum kind of uh, emails this week, and I haven't been on the fan page in an hour or two, so maybe something's popped up there. But the, these usually are sent in the email. Um, so with all of that said, let me start on the fan page. Why not start on the fan page? I, I, but I try to I try to answer both emails and fan page. Let's see what we got with questions from the audience. You can email yours in any time you want. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. T. McKernan at InsideSTL. By the way, I'm scrolling down to get to the questions um, post on the TMA fan page, but one of the things I scrolled past is Steven Strasburg's seven-year, $245 million deal with the Nationals. Is there any chance... And I'm so I any chance I'm talking like two percent even that now that Strasburg has signed a seven-year deal with the Nationals that and the Nationals have said it's going to be virtually impossible for them to have both Strasburg and Rendon on the roster in 2020 that the Cardinals would go after Rendon God wouldn't that just be the greatest Wouldn't that be the greatest Because right now I mean as I'm talking so th- this this is, this is this is this is poor podcasting because this is not going to be evergreen but it is 4:29 on uh, 429 p.m. on December 9th, 2019. The winter meetings are going on, and there's, like, no attention being paid to it locally because the anticipation is the Cardinals aren't going to do much. I can't recall that in recent memory. I mean, even if you don't like the moves, three years ago, they got Dexter Fowler. Two years ago, they got Marcelo Zuno. Last year, they got Paul Goldschmidt. Now, whether that was at the winter meetings or before, either way, there was activity. Right now, it's just like, yeah, Cardinals are... So I wonder what this strategy is. because I'm like, how can you lose Marcelo Zuna? Not that he was the second coming, but he still was your cleanup hitter and then not replace that. And, but the kind of the message that Mazelok gave was, yeah, you know, we're just going to try to fix it in house. And I'm just like, okay, maybe he's running a a counter offensive here and they are going to be really active, but they don't want to set the hopes high and then get called, you know, out for coming in second place. I don't know, but God, that's the one that makes sense to me. And then this talk of pitching. I'm like, okay, fine, great, bring in pitch, but you need offense. What in the world? What am I missing here? So that's why I can't get banty about it until it's all said and done and opening day has arrived, or even spring training for that matter. But I i don't know. I'm a little confused. So when I saw Strasburg signing, okay, well, maybe then, maybe this will be like a sneaker thing. I don't, I, again, I don't. Consider it likely per se, but I just wonder about it. All right, let me go on these questions. Here are some good ones. I knew that. I was scrolling through them. Uh, let's see. Oh, a Little Rock question. What is your fondest memory of your time in Arkansas? This is from the legendary Carlos Spicy Wiener. I lived there six years through college and my first job, and the lack of pro sports drove me crazy, but I felt genuinely surprised how much I enjoyed living in Little Rock slash Central Arkansas. Um, I'm really surprised both from a time standpoint and also just in general standpoint that it will be 20 years since I left Little Rock in March, which just screws with me. Um, But it's the time is going quick. Time is going quickly. Um, But I haven't been back. I don't think I think it's possible perhaps Perhaps that I've flown through Little Rock, but this was back when I was doing TV, so that would have to go back to 2005. I, I just don't think I've been, I don't know, I've been back, I don't know if I've been back at all since uh, even including like a layover, and I don't know why I'd have a layover, but uh, in Little Rock since then. You know, I look back on that, and I guess similar to you, Carlos Spicy, Wiener, being, it looks like we're right around the same age range um, with when we were there, You know, I I started there at 22, which when you're 22, you don't realize how young you are. But I do remember uh, both both whether you're in in college right now or um, or certainly in television at that time. I think it's changed a little bit now where younger people are getting opportunities, mainly for cost reasons. But they all looked at me like like a freak that I was uh, 22 and working there, and then anchoring. Um, what stands out to me, and there are a variety of things that stand out to me. I, for whatever reason, always wanted to live like close to downtowns. I did that in St. Louis, and I did that in Little Rock. And so, when I moved there, I lived in a place called the Quapaw District. Which I wonder, if I'll set the over under it's seven and a half of people who will listen to this, who will know what I'm talking about. Um, I don't know if it would be fair to compare it to Soulard. I, I, it wouldn't be because it doesn't have the restaurants and bars. And Well, it did not in 1999 and 2000. I don't know what it's like now. i am back, like I said. But it was close to downtown, and then they had, I think it's called the River Market, I think, which was a big thing along the Arkansas River uh, just to the north of downtown, and it's also the state capital, and it's about two and a half hours away from Fayetteville. Uh, Fayetteville up in the northwest corner, right near the Missouri border um, of Arkansas. Uh, And I remember, you know, I'm 22 and I'm moving down there. And to me, it's not a big deal because you you knew what the deal was going to be when you chose to do television. You don't you're not going to start in St. Louis. You you might not ever get to St. Louis. In my case, that was my goal. Um, So you knew you were going to go somewhere. And if anything, Little Rock was market 57 at the time. I wonder what it is now. Um, Probably begin my distraction stuff and start typing that in but it was market 57 at the time to give you an idea of how much things have changed austin texas was a smaller market at the time austin was 60th i bet austin oh fine i'm gonna do it i this i can't help myself you know i can't help myself let's see what we got tv markets who the hell cares about that i should if i had any sense i'd edit this out what do we got st louis is 21 that's still the same is a little rock grown or has it shrunk what do we got it is still 57 see where austin is now austin is 40th wow it's gone up 20 spots since uh initially i wonder what's been dropped i would have thought st louis might have dropped but it's still at 21. uh new york la chicago philadelphia dallas dc houston san francisco boston atlanta tampa uh, your top 10, 11, Phoenix, 12, Seattle, 13. I would've thought that Seattle's bigger, Detroit. I bet it's fallen. Detroit's 14. Um, I think Miami's probably fallen. Miami 16 surprises me. I wonder what that's about. Anyway, I digress. And so, you know, I, dr- I drive down straight from Columbia through the middle of Missouri and Southern Missouri, Really weird kind of drive. Remember, like seeing like waterfall? I don't know if it was waterfall. I just unique things that I'd never seen before. And waterfalls is probably overstating it, but just like unique bodies of water. And obviously I obviously haven't made that drive since. And then through northern central Arkansas, and then you get to Little Rock. My parents came down, you know, you just drive down 55 and you head west once you get to Memphis, you know, through into central Arkansas. And, you know, I wasn't making a lot of money. So this wasn't like I, I chose to live, you know, close to the city because I was a hipster or something like that. Um, but I wanted to live close to the city. And I didn't know anybody. I didn't think anything of it. I kind of take a step back and I'm like, God, what? You? Just, a, just a different person then. Um, but, it, you know, you were doing what you had to do in this business. That was the deal. And uh, And like I said, Little Rock was a decent-sized market for being your first job at that time. And, uh, and, and the place I got was in my mind, completely fine. I didn't think anything of it. I thought it was nice. I mean, relatively speaking, but nice. Uh, and I remember my mom, like, I think she might have been in tears when she saw my place. It was one of the other... Or it was one of those things where she was like whispering to my dad about how we got to get me out of there because this is a, a shithole. And I remember thinking, I don't get... I really didn't get it. I, and I still... I, by the way, 20 years removed, I still think it's, uh, it was very nice. Well, I want to take the very off it. Nice. And for a 22-year-old making what I was making? Yeah. Fine. Um, And then I remember... Like the first couple nights there, I guess I'm gonna say it. What does it matter? Who the hell cares? Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, uh, uh, went out. Uh, a buddy of mine helped me move my stuff from Columbia. One of my roommates in Columbia, and we hung out for a night or two down there. And then like he goes back, and I'm like, okay, now I'm on my own. I'm starting my job. And then I don't know how it happened. I wonder how it happened. Um. Yeah, I I don't know. I probably shouldn't go into this stuff. Nothing happened. Like, no, like for real. Like I, just, I mean, I, hell, I tell you my threesome and foursome stories on this thing. Why the hell would I hold this back? Uh, but for real, nothing happened. But I remember winding up in a hot tub with a coworker before I think I even started there, and I and I arrived there like two days before I started working there. So th- that happened quickly. But I'm thinking to myself, how did I? Meet up with her before we even started working together. And then you look back on it and you're like, oh, that stuff isn't supposed to go on. But I'm 22. I'm still in the mindset of KOMU in Columbia where it was kind of a free for all. And I didn't even think anything of it. Um, nothing happened though. I swear nothing happened. Um, and and I, I'm going to cut it off there. But uh, nothing happened. And then it's really the only time in my life, which is super weird but it's the truth, where I was single. Like, I had a girlfriend through most of college. Um, I started um, with someone a couple of months, not even really, a couple of months, once I got to Little Rock. She moved to St. Louis when I started at KMOV in March of 2000. And uh, and, uh, and then I uh, was married um, and then uh, divorced. And Anna Marie and I have been together since 2009. So, I mean, that's it's just, it's, I, I, get, I don't know what do they call that. I don't even know what the term, but I feel like there's terms for it. Um, but that's the way I've been. But th- this was really the longest time post high school that I was single. Um, like really totally single. And I don't know what my deal was. I don't know. Um, and then things, I, I remember going out with a girl who, I don't know, was set up by, I don't know, long story, What either was set up by a friend from outside of Little Rock. Uh, this was right when I got there and, uh, she was legitimately good looking, like legitimately good looking. Um, kind of one of those deals where you are going what I, like, so good looking that it's like. Ah, she's probably just showing me around the town. There isn't really interest. And uh, but I could tell she was I, she was either still she wasn't with the guy anymore, but she clearly was still into this guy. You know, it's something that like, at, you know, now at 43, you can you can pick up instantaneously. But I could even pick it up then at 22. Um, and whatever, whatever, I don't really give a damn. You know, I didn't really care that much. Um, so nothing happened that night. But then like at midnight, a couple nights later, and I kind of thought nothing was there. Like, whatever and then she you know back then you call people and uh and she called and i guess that was the proverbial let's hook up you know midnight thing but then that didn't happen um and i don't know why honestly I, I, it bothers me that i don't know why and uh and then there was a brief time with like hanging out at the river market but i don't know who, oh yeah the guy who was the sports director when i got there but then he got fired so i guess i was hanging out with people from the tv station um and I remember being in a bar. I mean, it's so weird to think this because now he's become kind of like a, you know, TMZ-ish celebrity. Uh, but I guess it was the River Market. God, I can't imagine the place is still there. It's like called the basement or the underground. Maybe it was the underground. God, I'm gonna type now. I gotta type this in. Underground. I mean, what are the chances? I mean, I'm talking about. All right. Something. Am I right on this? It closed in 2019. Holy shit. At 500 President Clinton Avenue. Well, it wasn't President Clinton Avenue then, I can assure you. Holy shit. Now, this says it closed in 2011. I mean, well, this podcast, really, for those of you who listen to it, I mean, sometimes you get your money's worth and sometimes you got to be like, what the fuck's this guy doing? Uh, the Underground. For when was, that's what it was called, the Underground Pub. And I was today on its Facebook page. it's closed over 13 years of business. Huh there it is and well that's what i got how i remember that anyway that's where i was and uh Derek fisher who you know went on to win nba championships at the lakers what coach the knicks you know tmz stories this and that and he was just like hanging out at, he went to arkansas little rock that's where he went him and corliss williamson who played for the razorbacks were friends and they were kind of running things and um i just remember hanging out there but I didn't really know anybody, and it's just not my personality. I've, it still wouldn't be my personality, like, to go up to and just, like, start firing on women. It just never has been. I, I don't know, it, which might surprise people, might not. I don't know. Uh, you know, the ship at this point is, is long sailed, and I'm quite happy about that, which is going to lead me to a digression. I'm not naming names at all here, but at a recent event, Um, there was a circumstance in which a friend of mine was clearly in a spot where he had the numbers in his favor and he was going to be able to enjoy his evening with one of the numerous attractive women at said event. And he was kind of looking through the situation. They were interested in him. He was interested in a number of them. And then I saw kind of like what you got to do in the whole thing. And I thought to myself, God, I am, I'm sure it's going to be wonderful to go and have sex with one or maybe if if you really run good two of these ladies this evening and god bless uh but god the the whole thing of like you know just taking myself back a long way really to to go back to that mindset i might even have to go back to like the 90s for that um where it's like full-on single like the whole song and dance of having to you know the small talk, and the, then you you know, then you're hanging out, and then you're getting drunk, and then you're then you're you know, you're banging, and that's great. But then the like, then the exit, like at least my memory on this stuff was, I mean, after everybody's wrapped up, and ideally, usually only I was wrapped up. Uh, uh, there's there's the, then immediately the, the dynamic of the relationship, albeit it's it's hours old changes and then it goes from like the the build up to this now it's like so like now it's almost like you dislike each other but that probably had a lot to do with my performance uh, so this maybe isn't a fair macro assumption that uh now you're like figuring out the way for you either to get out the door or to get her out the door and I thought you know while, while it's got to be in some capacity wonderful I, I have to say I really have zero interest in that at the same time, now for those of you who are single and listening to this, I would imagine most of you are rarely in situations where you're like going through that process in order to uh, to get involved in a situation where you're going to be enjoying your evening in that capacity, because it's uh, it's so much of it's done through apps. But in this case, I actually got to see it live and in person. Beautiful women too, man. This wasn't like a you know this was this was a he was in a, he was in a nice situation. Um. So anyway, this was that. That's what I was in. Not that I, anybody was interested in me back in 99, but that I just remember that and thinking, yeah, this was a, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed it. Um, it was certainly different, but you know, I think I have a greater appreciation for it now than I did then because I had a, t- I had a tough situation there, really tough. Although I think it probably helped me. It certainly isn't anything I necessarily would wish on anybody. Or And that was where the GM thought I made, you know, references. This is true, and I've said it before, so for some of you, this is redundant. But when I said so-and-so, and I don't know who it was, I was showing football highlights and ad-libbing over them, was jacked up, she honestly thought that I was making reference to jacking off and therefore pulled me off the air. Uh you know now there's no union there I didn't have an agent you know you if that were to happen now I mean people would laugh about it now but I'm 22 and uh and it's my first job and I'm in a place where I don't really know anybody and you know I just had to grind through it because I just started like this was a month and a half in it was brutal 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 so at that point I'm looking to get out and go anywhere I got to go anywhere I don't have a contract so I would have gone anywhere. So for the fact that I wound up in the place that I wanted to go and was like, I got to get to St. Louis by the time I'm 30. That was the goal, and to go from Little Rock in a situation that was a mess to St. Louis and to do it in eight months. I mean, that's just so lucky. I mean, so 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 fortunate. I, I can never lose sight of that. Um, but that was that was really tough. The thing that I'll say as far as appreciation of. Um, of uh like like i'm sure plenty of people are like yeah tim you say weird shit and i'm like yeah i do you know but i'm also aware of it but does anybody honestly think like i mean i realize though most of you probably never even saw me anchor a sports cast but when i, I like like i'm like oh let me see if i can get a tee he masturbation reference on my sportscast in central arkansas when i'm 22 i mean really and and we all know what jacked up means now it's common like some of my friends you know who i haven't seen in a long time from there they love whenever we communicate they'll write you know jacked up you know just because they laugh about it still but god while i was going through it it was nuts but they were all so happy for me because they knew it was wrong because they knew i wanted to go to st louis that's when the rams were winning the super bowl and i was you know beware the rammies and living and dying with that uh and they knew that the GM was out of line so when I got that job they knew that was my dream job and I was going home to St. Louis which was like the ultimate win you know you there was no screaming or any of that stuff it's just like she had to come in and go so I hear you got a job in St. Louis I said yep I'm going to be leaving she goes congratulations oh that felt, that was that was a nice that was a nice w I will tell you that um Also, what I remember was I covered SEC media days, and I'm like, why are we going to SEC media days? And it was in Birmingham, if I'm not mistaken, and how big of a deal that was. Uh, That was eye-opening. And then going to my first game in Fayetteville, I only think I went to one game in Fayetteville, actually. Um, It was Auburn against Arkansas in 99. Auburn, Arkansas. Arkansas won. Arkansas had a good team. They went to the Cotton Bowl and beat Texas that year. Um and uh and just the atmosphere around the game even though missouri was good in 97 98 the atmosphere at an sec game that was my first time seeing that and realizing this is this is a different level and they even had the same thing they played like half their games in little rock at the time now i think they might play two and obviously we saw missouri played there um it was a different thing, just a huge thing. I mean, just like the, the, the state stops for it. And I love that. I loved that then. And I have a great appreciation for it now. Um, but I really don't, I mean, the people, I really liked the people. Um, it would be, I would love to go back there just like for a weekend. I don't know if we would ever do it. I mean, like if we ever have a free weekend with a two-year-old that's not like, you know, I'd be like, all right, I know we go to Las Vegas, but how's Little Rock Sound? Um, but, um, yeah, you know, I mean, it was always weird to me to be called a Yankee. I'd never even, I, I honestly didn't even think, I don't think at the time I knew what a Yankee, now I know what it's associated with. But I, I was just like, the, the baseball team? You know, that I was called a Yankee. And that I would say the Tennessee Volunteers, the Vols, play the Razorbacks this weekend. They'd go, Vols. it's the Vols. Fayetteville, Louisville, Knoxville, you know. And so I would say it Fayetteville, Louisville, knoxville and they would just laugh and laugh and like, all right fair enough but i don't have i mean i really did i really did it was only there eight months but uh, i did enjoy i just had a really there was a time and it was it was it was it was legitimately brutal and uh, you know sometimes i get myself into spots and i deserve it and uh, on this one i really didn't and it was difficult so that's probably my biggest memory of it but you know like i said in the end i uh I won, so to speak. Uh, let's see what we got. Boy, I do have a lot of questions here. Let me go into the email. Tim. Ryan Kelly's the Home Loan Expert, and he is the sponsor of our studios here on The Tim McKernan Show. Without him, we don't have a podcast. So make sure you're supporting our sponsor, Ryan Kelly, the Home Loan And with interest rates dropping and this being home buying season, this is a prime time to get and and get yourself a great rate and lock in or if you want to refinance now's the time to do so Ryan Kelly's the person to do it with he is online at the Ryan Kelly the studio sponsor of this program Ryan Kelly the oh uh, god well i don't remember this one so i'm going to uh, dig in. It's an Irishman question. Tim, just listen to last week's question from the audience. Watched the Irishman on Netflix. Uh, film was flat out incredible. The acting to the CGI making the movie possible was fantastic. My biggest complaint was it was only three and a half hours. I found it most interesting because of its ties to the Kennedy assassination, which my favorite professor in college assigned the entire professor, I think that meant, in college assigned the entire English 101 class to write a 10 page paper on. We had to pick our own conspiracies. I chose to go the LBJ was behind it route, but my professor was very set on the fact that it was the mob. Al Pacino is a lock for an Oscar and I'd be willing to wager the film wins more than three Oscars combined for actor supporting actor best picture director and adapted screenplay I'd place the Irishman right there between Goodfellas and The Departed on Scorsese's best films Uh, personal opinion I get Raging Bull and Casino are the critics top choices is that right I, I the Raging Bull and I get *But Casino*. that surprises me I could be wrong I mean it's not I'm not saying it's wrong it comes from Mr. S thank you Mr. S Yeah, I love the movie. I guess there really isn't a question there. But, uh, you know, the Golden Globe nominations came out this morning. De Niro, I don't believe, was nominated for actor. Pesci and Pacino were both nominated for supporting actor, and it was nominated for Best Picture. I saw that. Um, And the only other two on Best Picture drama that were nominated that I recall I'm familiar with was uh, 1917 and um, Two Popes, maybe, and The Joker so three ones that I'm familiar with, and I can't remember the uh, the, the fourth because there were five in the category. So I got to see those. You know, it's not fair to go. I love the... I mean, to me, I can't imagine I like it more than The Irishman, but who knows? I don't know. Um, but I'm glad to hear you liked it. I'm glad people like that podcast with me and Gangster Pete, but since Iggy hated the movie, uh, I really wish we would have had him in there, but then we talked about why he hated the movie, and it. I, I don't really know what the when it got down to it what the reasons were. I guess he really didn't like the scene... Well, I can't say it, because when Pete and I talked about it last week, uh, we waited till the end, so we don't have any spoilers, so I'm not going to get into what Iggy didn't like. Uh, all right, uh, let me go back onto the TMA fan page here, and questions from the audience. You know there's some good ones here. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, do you ever find it difficult to flip the switch to this is Timmy recaps who I think at this point should just host the thing his questions every week I make sure to read They're just I, I think I think I think part of it though is a level he's like I know he's going to read this if I ask him thing and it's well played because I do um, as if he cares if I read it or not do you ever find it difficult to flip the switch Uh, to on-air tim in the mornings i assume you're not as quick to be witty self-deprecating or goofy when outside of the four walls of the studio you also tend to be fact-based a fact-based voice of reason when it comes to on-air spats do you play the same role when it comes to family disputes and how has your on-air personality evolved in all your years on the radio all right so i think we got three questions in there uh, honestly, I was saying this, I think I said this to my dad in our, in our interview today, you know, um, it's seven Oh seven, seven Oh nine, whatever it is every day. It's just, you know, assuming it's assuming it's, 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 you know, it's the right group of people. And it, I don't know if they when the last time it wasn't the right group of people or mix of people, I should say, um, I am going to look forward to the next three hours and not, and not that I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get there and do this. It's just I know it's going to be, for lack of, I don't know if good's the right word because that's certainly subjective. I know I'm going to enjoy myself. And, oh, I just, I feel like every QFTA I wind up saying this, but I just, I'm so lucky to be able to say that. And I think Doug and the Cat would say the same thing. And I think Iggy and the Plowhawk and Gangster Pete would say the same thing, that we don't know where we're going to go Um. But we know we're going to have a good time getting there. And that's, that's kind of it, man. That's kind of what the show is. And, uh, you know, that's just that's just not something, you know, I mean, inevitably, if I'm still in broadcasting in a decade, um, this group of people will not be working together. Hell, this group of people, I always say it, this group of people will not be working tomorrow together. I don't know when it will end or when it will change or whatever. I have no idea. Um, but I would think it's fair to say that in at the very least 10 years, um, that we won't be working together. And if I'm in broadcasting, there's a good chance that I am not working with the cat or Doug at that point. Um, if you just kind of look at the math of it, probably, uh, Iggy at that point will no longer be doing it. I think that's fair. It always makes people kind of depressed when I say these things, but I mean, you just got to kind of look at the, the math on it. And you know, I, I do, I, I enjoy doing QFTA. So I guess I just essentially, I enjoyed his bullshitting and talking and thinking and, uh, and I guess just being, you know, candid, I suppose. Um, but it will be, you know, it'll be, it'll obviously be different. Um, I guess there are people based on our numbers who like QFTA and what this is, but it's obviously different than, than TMA. Um, but those guys make me better. Um, I think it's, I think we would all say we all as a group make the other, make each other better. And so that's why I'm saying if it's the right mix, like if it were, and it could be people who I think are great people, but I don't want to do a show with them because part of the enjoyment of TMA is, um, like it's, It's quick. You know, it's 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 whether it's a quick drop, whether it's a text that's hilarious or, you know, something Doug says or the cat says or, Iggy or the plowhawk or gangster pizzas, whatever it's 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 playing at a high speed. And so if you bring somebody in who doesn't play at that speed, then it totally changes the dynamic. And so that's the thing that make it's like, you know, I have my coffee from five to seven and then I come in and then I have like five rails of blow because that's going to put me in even a better spot. That's how I would describe it. Um you know, I don't know. I mean, so if I were doing this from 7 to 10, this is what I would sound like. And I know a lot of people go, this fucking sucks, man. Where's like, you know, the, the jokes about banging dog or whatever. But, I mean, this this is also me. It's not like that is on air, Tim. And this, this I mean, they're both me. They're not, you know. I think, I think what I've said a few times, people who have come to work at Inside STL and then they're around me, they're like, wow, this guy is serious and he is intense when he is not... On the show, I think they're thinking it's going to be like they're going to come to work in an office where it's TMA twenty four hours a day, and it's not. It's a business, so it's got to be it's got to be run like a business, you know. And when we run it inside STL, we're running nine twenty. That's important. Um, but I like to think that you know people are treated well uh, inside the show and on you know with Inside STL for the number of years this thing goes back to two thousand five with Inside STL, two thousand four with the show and so there's a good dynamic there if if you had a spot where even one of the parties of the six didn't get along with one of the other six or one at that point of the other five it would really screw things up um the fact that everybody gets along allows us to give each other shit, which is key and then it allows me to not go oh i can't read this text because it's going to hurt his feelings and he's mad at me you know, so it allows it to just kind of be a free-for-all, which is, from my standpoint, you know, it's a roast. That's what it is. It's a three-hour roast. It's a roast to the host, the producers, uh, and the audience members who choose to play in the Reindeer Games. You know, James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency is my insurance agent. So this is a firsthand endorsement of James Carlton and his staff In webster groves 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net i think a lot of people just go okay well i've got a guy i've got a lady i'm good i don't really care to talk about insurance it's something you know i'm 25 whatever and that's fine i understand i used to think the same way and then i go down to my basement on march 30th of 2019 and the basement's flooded and the world changes It just so happens, because my interactions with James have been been so positive, that my wife and I switched to James Carlton in late 2018. And I'm telling you, if we had not, the odyssey that has been a flooded basement throughout all of this precipitation in St. Louis would have been infinitely more difficult to navigate without somebody as active. And on top of it is James Carlton. His phone number is 314-961-4800. Or you can go online at carltoninsurance.net. And even now, he still checks in. You know, I mean, it's it's just a different ball game. And even before we had that, which, of course, was a substantial issue, um, you know, we weren't covered on on something or I'd forgotten to make a payment. It wasn't like it was like some monster payment. It was a small payment. But he's like, hey, just so you know, uh, you haven't made this payment. We want to make sure that's taken care of so you're covered. It's just it's, it's just different. It's different in a much better way. And that's why, you know, if, if you ran into me at a, at a bar or restaurant and said, Hey, you know, and I have had it happen. Hey, Tim, who's that insurance agent? People email me and I go, it's James Carlton. Here, let me include him on the, on the email. And I know he's going to be on top of it. I don't think twice about it. It's not like I'm like, Oh yeah, let me tell you about him. And then somebody actually wants to follow up and I'm like, Oh God, I hope he does. Okay. The best, the absolute best. And you're talking about your biggest investments. So you want to make sure they're taken care of properly. James Carlton and his staff at Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency will certainly do that. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm. Um, Let's see, what were the other questions? Mm-hmm. You also tend to be a fact-based voice of reason when it comes to on-air spats. You play the same role when it comes to family disputes. Yes, and it is not fun to argue with. Uh, I have come to that conclusion. It drives my wife and I, or drives my wife, up the wall when we're arguing, because she'll go, "You're not trying a case," but I'm very. I probably talk like this, don't? Not all the time. Don't get me wrong. I get fired up, but not. You know, it doesn't happen often. Growing up, I heard my dad would do a lot of yelling, and so I think I have a natural um, uh, subconscious to try to avoid that. Um, and then also, I just kind of value what I think anyway is is the process and reason. It's like, okay, we're both really fucking mad right now, and therefore nothing positive is going to come from talking or yelling right now. So let's call a timeout. I know me and probably within 15 minutes I will be calm and then therefore I'll be able to think reasonably and I'll probably apologize um, partially because I'm wrong and partially because I just want the peace and uh, but if we're debating something or if I am debating someone whether it be family or you know business or whatever the case might be because I have a weird memory I can pull facts and then it makes it different difficult to, and it's also done monotone where so if somebody's emotional and it's not intended to be monotone I mean I guess it's not monotone but it's not it's not screaming yelling so if somebody's screaming and yelling or they're all worked up and then you got somebody on the other side being calm and then reciting facts that might blow up the reason why they're mad um, that's probably not real pleasant to argue with like like I'm picturing myself like being all fired up and then if the person I'm fired up at is like just being calm and then like blowing up my argument with the recitation of facts, that would be difficult. It's like what I said about my attorney a few weeks ago, uh, in a lawsuit where the guy was all worked up when he was cross-examining him. And my attorney was just, okay, thank you. Now on December 17th, you said this, and in this email, you said that. So that conflicts uh, your testimony. Uh, and it's just like, I'm like, Oh my God, this is the most gangster shit I've ever seen. It's so calm. And that's, that's why it's driving the guy up the wall. Um, and then, so it's a final question. Um, and how does your on-air persona, how has your on-air personality evolved in all your years in the radio? I would say it's evolved so much that I would not want to listen to myself on the morning grind in 2004, five, six uh the morning after seven eight nine ten maybe um i don't know what was going on I really don't i mean i mean maybe everybody goes, well yeah I mean you were twenty whatever the hell I was at the time twenty seven when this thing started twenty six I guess when the thing started twenty seven um so you're a different person, but either way, just like I honestly don't know how Martin and the cat worked with me. And, and I might be overstating it a bit, but just I because the clips I hear are like the quote-unquote well-known ones for those who listened. And I just hear myself, I'm like, oh, what a fucking asshole. Because there, there hasn't been like a moment um, in my life since then where it was like, oh, I've got to stop doing that. I've got to stop. I don't, know, I don't know what it was. I have no idea. Nothing. There wasn't a conscious change. I don't know. Maybe perhaps actually it was, you know, being the person who was on the receiving end of the criticism and the quite when I was operating the, the owning the radio, I mean, I still inside of sales owns the radio, the content, but it was my responsibility for advertising and to, you know, hit payroll and make sure the thing kept going from 2010 through 2016 and maybe that gave me different perspective. I don't know. I'm trying to think. Um, well, I don't. You know, I don't go. I go out like I used to. Obviously, I mean, that was really that. That was that was legitimate. That was not overstated. That was four and five in the morning at strip bars almost every weekend. I'm sure people are like, you had to have been doing cocaine. And I swear I was not. I really. If I did, I would say it. Um and I all I, I didn't even I didn't even really smoke weed. I didn't. I don't know when the last time I did was. Maybe would have briefly in 2009 for like one session. I mean, I just don't. I and I really wouldn't I'd say it. Who fucking cares? Um but I would I would because we would be up until 5 and st- 5. 5 would be the latest. You know, and it's strip bars and doing all this shit, you know. Um then I would then I would sleep until like noon or one on Sundays and then I couldn't fall asleep on Sunday nights because now I'm getting up at you know whatever time early in the morning and that would be on my mind and I'd toss and turn and so that I wouldn't really be well rested and maybe then therefore the reason and the calm wouldn't be there not to say that I'm super reasonable or super calm now I don't know. I really wouldn't want to listen to it. I honestly wouldn't want to listen to it. So now everybody's going to want to go listen to it and go, what in the hell is he talking about? But it, that's 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 my, um, I've heard it a few times. I mean, like when I say a few, I'm talking like three or less over the last couple of years. And I'm just like, oh, what in the world? So um, I remember... Mark Lamping did an interview with me for InsideSTL.com, which was certainly just like a charitable thing on his part because of the thing had just started up. And but he treated it like a real interview, and we had a good conversation. And I think we got done with the conversation, and I knew that he was unhappy with me, and I knew that Walt Jockety was unhappy with me, and um, and I think we talked about it after we got done with the interview. I think this is what happened. And I think the, I mean, I think think the world of Mark Lamping and he said something along the lines of, you know, you said, I can't remember what it was that he said. I said, but that the Cardinals are like lying to fans about spending money, which, which is funny that that was like 2006 ish. Maybe when they win the world series, um, or maybe 2005 it couldn't have been any earlier because inside STL started in 2005 and he goes, he goes, you're, he goes, you're, you're lying. He goes, you're, well, you or, or you just don't know that's true. And that's really, that's really, you know, that's really not good to be doing, you know, I mean, you, you're, you're saying something and passing it off as fact. That's not true. Uh, you know, and he goes, that's, you know, I don't know what the right, he, he, he was kind of like sounding like a disappointed father, um and i you know maybe that was eye opening i don't know i don't want i'm not trying to portray certain things as bigger deals than they were but i'm just trying to think back on it because i know that now, and maybe it's been you know um i think the albert pooles thing that i went through uh the jack clark albert Pujols thing in 2013 uh that was traumatic i mean at this point it's been more than 6 years but i think i'm very uh hypersensitive or maybe empathetic i don't know what i would call it empathetic maybe others would call it hypersensitive to the group think that goes on on social media um because i was on the receiving end of it and i knew the truth and i knew things that were being written were false but i knew that there was nothing i could do about it so i'm more apt to believe somebody or give them the benefit of the doubt when they vociferously claim their innocence Um, Because I've been there and I know the truth uh, on that one. And so maybe that gave me some sympathy. I don't know. Um, We've been through some battles and um, maybe that's played a role in it. Certainly now having a child, that's different. But I feel like my personality on the air changed a long time before Jameson was born. So I don't know. But all I know is this. I don't want to hear it. I just don't want to hear it. And it's another thing, and it's like, oh, you're ripping off Stern again, because he'll say, oh, I don't want to hear myself back in those those shows in the, the uh, you know 80s or 90s. And yeah, that's how I feel about the uh, the early days of the morning grind. I just don't want to hear it, you know. But you know, honestly, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know what's going on. I'd love to like like have, really break that down with what was going on there. I don't know. I honestly, I honestly don't know, and I don't really know what the difference is now. Um, I know some people absolutely loved me and some people fucking hated me. And honestly, the 43-year-old me would listen to the 27-year-old me right now and be one of the people who hated me. Just like, what is this guy's deal? You know? and, I, and, I, and I guess in one respect, it's kind of not fair because I really haven't listened to it, so I don't know. But I just I, some of the handful of things I heard is, God. You know, and, and, and honestly, if I, were, if I were Martin or the cat, I would really not like me. Because I was just all over the map, like, interrupting them. And, like, I was I was the guy, and but I wasn't hosting the show. But I was still the, you know, it's just, ah, just, just blah, blah. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck was going on. But, you know, whatever. It happened, and I got owned, and that was me. And then I was blaming myself. All right, let's see what else we got here. Final question on the TMA fan page. This is a good one, too. I know you've mentioned it many times how the Dome was very much at the bottom of the list in terms of NFL stadiums you were able to go to. What exactly about the Dome put it there? Locker rooms, playing surface, et cetera, et cetera. Not even comparing it to the top stadiums in the NFL, but what, to your knowledge, separated it from middle-tier stadiums? Um, the manner in which it was constructed, uh, both internally and then around the building, made it for what for where I went. Now, I, never vi- I still haven't been to Buffalo. I don't know what circumstance would... Would lead me to Buffalo, but um, I've never urban to Buffalo. I've been to where the Raiders currently are playing for another what month? Um, but uh, I went there for a, for an A's game. I haven't been to the Oakland Coliseum for a Raiders game. And what else was considered like a shithole? Those two are the one, and maybe somebody would point out another one that, that I'm that I'm forgetting um, for the purpose of the discussion, but um let's start with the outside you know one of the things that makes going to a football game even when your team sucks or they're good and they're playing a team that you know they're going to blow off the field like a Missouri September schedule date or anybody in college football or I get hit on tiger board uh is is the it's kind of like a, like when i went to Notre Dame New Mexico earlier this year in South Bend and i'm just like god we're sitting there we're having beers it's a beautiful fall day this is you know, this is just incredible. I, you know, Notre Dame's like I I don't even know what they were, like a 30 or 40 point favorite. It wasn't, I was with my family, we were having some beers, it's a beautiful day. That's, and then you go to a bar, restaurant, have dinner, and hang out after, and that's, that's, that's what's, that's what's great about a football game. And um, for a lot of people, I mean, other people just want to sit there and they want to go to the game for the game's sake. But the dome setup where it was built. You couldn't do that. I mean, you could do it, but like in like these chopped up parking lots throughout downtown. So that was that was a mess. Um, Getting into the building was unlike anything I'd ever seen. Unbelievable. But now now with everything that's happened since then, I almost wonder if they intentionally made it difficult to then discourage attendance because people are like, oh, I got tickets. But God, I don't want to stand in those lines to get in the building Um, because that was something that started in 2011. You know, if you would say, "Well, I mean, they built the thing in '95," Kroenke didn't own it until 2010. I go, okay, "Yeah, you're right." And it started in 2011. So, just another log on the fire there, and there may be nothing to that. But uh, it was brutal getting into. It. Then you got in there, and it was so. The cat always uses this word, "antiseptic." That's a great word for it. It's an absolutely perfect word for it. Um. You know, and it is it is called a very loud building in 99, 2000, 2001 and 2003. And yeah, but I remember the press box and I'm not complaining about the press box. One way, or the other, I couldn't care any less, whatever on that. But I'm because of our vantage point from way up there. I would remember looking down on like third downs and looking right behind the visitor's bench. And there'd be people just sitting there, not even like clapping, just sitting there, you know, a big play in the game. So. You know, and you'd have people screaming at you to sit down if you were standing. You know, I mean, it was just, it was just a terrible atmosphere. It was a terrible atmosphere. Um, I mean, terrible. I don't know what I can compare. I don't know what even. I remember. I remember thinking. I'm sure some of you've been to the Superdome. I remember going to the Superdome the first time. I think it was a Rams and Saints game, like back-to-back weekends too in 2000 that ended with the Ozakim fumble. Yeah, they beat him on Christmas Eve and then they lost him like on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day on the Oz. fumble the Saints and going, well, this thing's a piece of shit. Um, yeah, but yet there it is still there after Hurricane Katrina and it's still where the Saints are playing. Um, but yeah, I mean, just I don't, but, you know, locker rooms, shitty, you know, I haven't been in a locker room, of the Superdome in a long time, but then didn't stand out to me as anything incredibly special. Um, but just to give a comparative speaking, but it isn't just dumb. It isn't like all dumb. because I remember being in Ford Field in Detroit for a Rams-Lions game and thought, oh, this is really nice. Now, that was like the first year it was open. But that was certainly nice. The locker rooms, but also the field. And the, but I mean, they've just never really had a good team there. Um, so, I mean, locker room-wise, I don't know. That didn't stand out to me as being really bad. Um, it just was antiseptic. There, there's... I hope this doesn't come off the wrong way, but whatever. Uh, there's a house in my neighborhood, and I don't really give a shit. It doesn't matter to me one way or the other. I just don't care about this stuff, but I just noticed it. And it's like, you know, when there are new homes built in this neighborhood, they're usually built by some, you know, quality builders, um, and they really do some good work. God bless. And then there's one, and it was built a while ago, but it looks like it was just like, it was like it's like if I were building a home, like, it would have my background of architecture and, like, my ability to put the home together. And it's just like, what? And, then, like, and they just, like, kind of threw it together. And in a way, I feel, you know, whatever. I mean, it's not, like, real close to me. But it's, it's, in the, it's in the area. And I'm just like, what the hell happened there? That's what I look at the dome as. It's like, what in the hell happened there? And it's such a bad beat in so many different ways that what happened with the expansion happened. But if you want to take it a step further... And go back to the eighties, what happened with the Cardinals happened, I'm talking about the football cardinals. Um, and you didn't build something and and, and have that team here, and then it's all it never even happens at the Rams, but then you don't get the expansion team, now the building's already built, and then whoever was gonna come into it was gonna be able to dictate terms that were just ridiculous, and you're sitting there and you're bent over the table and you gotta take it. You know, I mean, it's just a brutal spot, but I always, I, was just, I would drive me up the wall when I would talk about this on the radio, and now I guess, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's an I told you so. I don't really care. I never want to do the I told you so shit. Um, where I would say, yeah, the dome's a shithole. I'd be like, what are you talking about? It sure is loud when, the, you know, and I'm going, you know, it's loud because we have like the greatest offense we're watching in the history of the NFL running up and down the field at will. I would think it's going to be loud, but my God, if you put that in, you know, take your pick of like two thirds of the NFL. Uh, it it would be even louder. I just, I just, and I think part of that was because some people just were like, yeah, it's not, it's not like a party, and that's that that was contributed to by it wasn't the St. Louisens fault on that. It was you had a building that you know, you know, you ought to go to. I'm sure a lot of you've been to Kansas City. I mean, it's a perfect place to see a football game, but not just because of the stadium, but because of the ability to tailgate there, even it's no longer around now, Candlestick. Remember, I went to a number of Rams 49ers games there. And that's a perfect setup for tailgating. And it's obviously a calmer crowd. Um, There was a calmer crowd. Now they're in Santa Clara. And I don't know what they're going to have going on now that the 49ers are good for the first time in that building. But when you go to most NFL stadiums, not all, but most, there's a spot to hang out. You know, and I'm just talking about parking a car and hanging out and the dome just didn't really have that. I mean, it did, but it was like in these choppy parking lots, not like a, it just was a bad setup, man. I don't know. Sometimes I take a step back on this thing with everything's got to be downtown and I just go, okay, why, why does it matter? I don't know. And maybe, maybe somebody who would have a hell of a lot better background on, you know, urban economics can, can point to it, but I'm just like, who gives a shit if it's downtown or not? What does it matter? You know, you build that thing somewhere else, and people drive out to it, and it's you know, it can create a whole nother area. I mean, I realize none of this is happening at this point, but I don't know. I, I just, it was a shithole. It was an absolute shithole, and um, and I would imagine. Listen, the only re the reason I got to go to NFL games, all these different venues, is because of my job. It wasn't like I was fabulously wealthy, and I'm like, oh, sweet, the Rams are playing, and you know, the Chargers this weekend in San Diego, because I'm fabulously wealthy, let's go out there and go to the game. Um, that, that's not what it was. We, you know, Doug and I would have a draft of the, what, how many games would they be on the road? I don't even know. Uh, eight, but then with the two, I guess 10 with the two uh, preseason games, and we would draft. Doug had seniority, he got to draft first. And then we would draft the cities and the road trips, and they were great road trips. And so I got to see all these stadiums, not all of them, not all of them, but more than half at the time. Now a lot of them are new. And I mean, it wasn't even like, for those of us who went, it wasn't even like a question. The Dome was, with Oakland, with Buffalo, the worst. But then I would talk about that on the radio and it would like piss people off. And I'd be like, okay, have you been to these stadiums? And they'd be like, no, but it's obviously loud. And I'm like, okay. When it's you, know, when you get in that, you're just like, I don't want to argue with it because I'm the bad guy. Um, But, you know, I'm quite confident in the opinion. All right, let's see what else we got here. What else we got here? Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Can't emphasize enough how important it is to have a, a financial advisor, but then it's not just any financial advisor. It's somebody who who knows but cares. Again, plenty of people who can know but cares. And Mark Hanna helps everyday people every day get their finances organized. You can call him at 314-889-0503. That's 314-889-0503. Or go online to evergreenstl.com. His name is Mark Hanna. He is with Evergreen Wealth Strategies. And I can tell you from getting to know Mark here over the last year that this is a first-class person who has your best interests at heart. And just calling him at 314-889-0503 is going to make you feel better and you're on the right track. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, 314-889-0503, or go online at evergreenstl.com. Um, this is asking me about listening to Tulsi Gabbard on the Joe Rogan podcast. I haven't listened to it. Maybe I should go back and listen to it. I can't really answer the question right now, so I'll save it. Um, but a lot of people have asked me about it, so I do want to uh, I do want to answer that. This was the one that I wanted to answer. I like this. I got this last night or yesterday morning. I guess it looks like Sunday, December eighth at nine thirty four in the morning. Uh, hey Tim, as a thirty seven year old father of a seven and five year old, there are a handful of key items. I focus on instilling in my boys as they grow up. Grades, respect for others, hard work, et cetera. What are three things that you hope your son has from your guidance when he walks into the real world at 18-ish years old, where you and your wife can look at each other and say, we did our job as a parent? Uh, that's from Ryan to Des Moines. What a wonderful question. Um And for those of you who aren't parents, skip ahead, because honestly, if I weren't a parent and I was listening to this, I'd be like, oh, fuck this. Honestly, I'd like, did did anybody write in about lesbianism this week? Otherwise, I'm done with the podcast. So uh, it's a good question now that I'm a parent. If I was a parent before I had uh, Jameson, you know, it'd all be kind of this, you know, it's tough to speak to it. That's why anytime like things that, you know, people talk about like what it's like is a being a parent and with little league stuff like I haven't been there yet. So it wouldn't be fair to to like attempt to pass judgment on the whole thing. I haven't been there. I, I, I understand it. It's quite a world though. Um, it's a great question. Um, I truly try to, I know I come up short, however, uh, at times, but truly, really believe in two principles that I for like the last twenty two years, seriously, have life guided me in my decisions and business. But again, it's not like I've I've have I've been able to, to stay stay on it. Um, I'd like to think I have. I just know that my personality isn't like this bubbly personality, so I'm sure plenty of people go, God, he's kind of a dick or, or he thinks he's so fucking cool or something like that. When in reality I'm an introvert and um and it's it's but it it, it would seem so like a like a like a paradox because, how can I be this person on the podcast or on the interviews or on the radio show and then be an introvert? And then some people are like, oh, then you think. I, I always said that I said this to Steve Savard when he was in on the podcast. I said, people looked at you. Now, Steve Savard's a big, handsome gentleman. I am, you know, like this, you know, genetic mistake. Um, but. I always felt, and he kind of rejected it when I proposed it, but I'd be like, because he was kind of quiet sometimes around people. And then I think some people are thinks He's so cool. And I'd be like, Oh, I've been around him. He's like a really good guy, like a really good guy. And he certainly isn't arrogant, but I think he's kind of just like, you know, I think people expect him because he's the voice of the Rams. They see him on TV to be the same personality and that's not who he is. So he's not necessarily an introvert per se, but just not the same personality. If I know you, I'm all in and I can bullshit with you for hours. Um, or if we hit it off on something early on, I'm in, man. And then then I'm fucking, then I'm I'm good. But if I don't, and I'm kind of stuck in small talk, then I'm kind of like, yeah, I just want out. I don't, this isn't, I'm just, you know, it's not like I think less of you, but I I just, that's just, I'm just not comfortable. So anyway, the two principles are, uh, treat others how you want to be treated, which I feel like has kind of become in vogue recently, like commercials are using it, like a hotel commercial, by the way, like Courtyard by Marriott or something, or I don't know what it is. But I feel like I've used it. I've seen it being used. But I really, I do go back to that. Uh, and I think like right around 97, I started really. So I, I've already started instilling that on Jameson. Uh, I mean, how much of it can he comprehend? At, you know, whatever, 27 months old. Um, but I mean, it's just something to drive home man, and I'm not going to stop driving at home. Uh, and I guess the addition, the addendum to that would be, and I don't give a fuck what that person's background is, whether that person is take your pick of whatever category one would want to put a person into, you treat that person with respect and I will not put up with any bullshit. Otherwise, I will not put up with any, I absolutely not. That is of the utmost importance. Um, it, it just, it just is. And I feel like a lot of things take care of themselves after that one. Um, and this may feed into the first one, but to each their own. In other words, yeah, if, if they're cool with it and you think it's weird, okay, fine. But don't, you know, don't sit in some kind of judgment like you're on the moral high ground, you know, to each their own. Okay. You're, you're raised, whatever. I don't even know what the hell they'll be raised religion wise. I don't know if there will be, will be any, um, you know, and this person has this background or this really okay. Or this person is, you know, I don't know. It, it th- thinks this way politically. I guess that's something he might have to deal with it. I didn't really have to deal with as much that since it seems like it's a big deal, uh, you might not have to deal with it for a while, but you know, that's, that's certainly a bigger deal now than it was when I was 18. My God. <laughs> God. Uh, and, um, you know, like I said, treat others that like you want to be treated to each their own. Um, those two things are what I've tried to live by, you know, um, and I just feel like it's kind of simplified things. It's like, yeah, you know, I don't even know. I mean, what, what examples you'd want to, you know, I, and I, and I think, I really think a lot of it, and it's a weird thing to say now because he's kind of, he's certainly not who he was in the nineties when he was doing a show, but the Dennis Miller show, it was a TV show on HBO. HBO had this run where Larry Sanders' show would be on at 7 o'clock and then Dennis Miller's show would be on at 7.30 on, like, HBO signature when we were in college in the late 90s. And it was just the greatest thing ever in Dennis Miller's monologues. And I think, you know, I don't know what he was talking about, but I remember thinking it's kind of like, okay, you know, at the time it wasn't, like, um, in vogue, so to speak, to be, as accepting as people are now of of you know gay men lesbian women whatever the case might be but he kind of broke it broke it down like yeah so if, if my neighbors are two guys and they're having sex like okay like who the fuck care like and also it's like yeah who, do, who yeah why do I care why would I like like great I'm not going to be participating and so have at it what the hell does it impact my life you know just like, why would it impact their life if me and my female companion are having sex? Like, it, it, like who the fuck cares? And you kind of just broke it down like, yeah, like, who am I to think one thing? And I don't know. I mean, it just kind of simplified things. I mean, it's not, that's not that, it, you know, that, that's one example of. But um, I, I just, I feel like that kind of helps, you know, like when somebody goes, well, this person said this. I'm like, okay, all right. the fuck, I don't know what to tell you. You know, it's their opinion. Fine, to each their own uh i'm different when it comes to people passing off facts as truth that are false that's a place where i draw the line but treat others how you want to be treated to each their own and i'm trying to think about a third one because those are two that i really um attempt to uh, well not that i try to necessarily live by it because i do but i also found it's made life simpler um in that capacity and what else oh <sighs> I don't know. I would. I think I, I would encourage him to color outside the lines. Um, but I feel like that's kind of going on now anyway with, with people in general. I don't know if it was necessarily going on that way, you know, in the, in the uh, late 1990s when I was, you know, leaving college in Columbia. Um, so the fact that I did color outside the lines, it seemed like it was a bigger deal. Now I feel like that's not a huge deal. But by that, I mean... Don't be afraid to take calculated risks. Uh you know, as some people would say, the last thing you want to be addicted to are carbohydrates and a guaranteed paycheck. And if you get it, you get it and if you don't, you don't, but you know what I mean if you follow it. Um and um you know, yeah, I I really think it would be good for him to live outside of St. Louis. Um at least for a longer period of time than I did. I mean, I know I only lived, you know, in Little Rock uh, for eight months, so it's not like I have all, I mean, I just, I don't have a big sample size on that, but I think it's helpful. So, you know, if he were to ask me and he's considering staying in the state of Missouri for education should, I mean, I don't even know if we'll live here by that point, if I'll even been fucking around. Um, but I think there's some value to living um, you know, outside of St. Louis slash Missouri. Um, but again, things could change drastically. People might not even go to schools like that anymore. The bubble may burst I think the bubble should burst on education. Um, you know, and live places other than Saint Louis. Um so that that that's 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 something that um that stands out to me. But I feel I feel really strongly about the first two. I really do. I think a lot takes care of itself after that. If you treat others how you want to be treated and to each their own, then at that point, I think you stop really getting caught up in the bullshit. You know, it's like when I see people arguing about politics, you're like, like, what what do you think? Like they're going to change their mind because you're arguing on Twitter or Facebook? Like who the fuck cares? So what? What does it matter? You know, Now you're going to waste time and get in a bad mood over this shit. Now don't get me wrong. It's not like I don't get caught up in some of this shit sometimes. It's not like I'm... You know, coming from the, the the moral high ground I was talking about, I'm not there, but I just know that it's kind of simplified things. You know, so this guy's gay. He's going to be going out with gentlemen. He's married to a guy. Okay, well, great. The fuck's it, Matt? God bless him. He's happy. Good. If anything, I would I would feel badly actually if he were gay and he wouldn't feel comfortable being out and living his life the way that he that he wants to. That would be, you know, that would be actually sad. Um. So somebody has a different background, or they come from a different, you know, neighborhood, or a different religion, or different race, or sexual orientation, or whatever it is. I don't give a fuck. You treat that person with respect. You know, if he were to wind up in a good spot, um, with whatever the case might be, don't think you're. You know, I keep telling him read this. Sometimes we'll be talking about, you know, um and i say i the thing that i just want to keep driving home to him is he's just a guy now to me he's the world but once he goes outside of these doors he's just a guy and you know he has to earn his keep and you earn your keep not just with the work you put in but with how you treat people and so that's you know we can we can teach him the lessons but he's got to live it and um He's just a guy, man. But like I said, to me, he's everything in the world. But uh, outside these doors, he's just a guy. So I think that I think that's important. I and, and, you know at the same time, I think God, I, I would imagine like every parent saying the same thing. Maybe I don't know. Maybe parents aren't. I don't know. You know. Um, but I just know those are the things that to me, for me, have personally helped me. Not to say that it's led to me being this wonderful human being. Cause my God, I'm a, you know, what a fucking mess I am. But uh, but as far as like simplifying things professionally, um, perhaps, you know, taking a step back on some things and just not wasting time on other things. I don't know. That, 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 I think it's a great question, Ryan. Ryan in Des Moines. Um, I don't know. What, I, you know what? I, I like the question, so I'd be curious what other parents say, If it, what, what your answer to that question is. I could read hundreds of these. man. maybe, by the way, you'll give me one that I'll be like, oh, shit, I got to use that with my son. So it's a great question. I tip my cap. Um, and you say grades, respect for others, hard work. You know, it's funny. Me and my dad were talking about in the interview, I'll give a brief tease of it, because something that's always bothered me, uh, and I and honestly, I still talk about it with Anna Marie now, I'm like, you know, he had me working to the point that I had to get a work permit because I was so young when I was bussing tables at Pietro's. And it was, I, I really, I don't like think about it a lot now, but... You know, when all of my friends on Friday nights during high school were getting ready to go out and enjoy their weekend, I was getting ready to go into Pietro's to bust tables until 11 at night. And I'm just like, what was that about? You know, honestly, and I, I, I asked it today, you know, not like I wasn't angry about it. I was like, what were you thinking? And, you know, he said, well, it was about teaching work ethic. And, uh, you know, I mean... I guess, I don't know what, what, the, what, the, what, what, what came of it was, I realized I needed to make sure I had my shit together so that I wouldn't be bussing tables. That's what came of it. But maybe work ethic came from it, I don't know. But it was more, ooh, I am miserable, I hate this. It really caught, I think it pr- played a role in my arrested development, honestly, because I didn't get a chance to really have a high school experience like most people who are 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, because I was working on Friday and Saturday nights. You know, and all my friends from, you know, the demographic of the, of the school, my neighborhood, there were two other people who went to St. Louis U High from my neighborhood. So, you don't, I and mean, I was young for my class. So I didn't get my driver's license till, I, you know, March of my, or September, excuse me, my junior year. So, you know, I was, you know, I was playing from behind. Um, but the work ethic thing, you know, like I said, I, and I, that's one I appreciate now with time, but I, I don't think, I just don't want my son to not ex- get to experience some of this stuff, you know, assuming that we can do this, but that he can, you know, enjoy that shit, you know. Um, but the work ethic thing, you know, I don't know. My dad did work his ass off, still works. He's, he's retired, I think he is anyway. He's still making sales calls, though. Um, so, yeah, there's something to be said. There's something to be said for it. But like I said, treat others how you want to be treated, to each their own. Uh, Those would really stand out to me but what do, you, what do you have as a parent T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com like I'm, 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 kind of, I'm asking out of curiosity but also maybe you've got some lessons that I will be like oh my god I absolutely got to use that alright that'll wrap it up another great question from the audience in the book at least I thought it was of course I'm the host so what else am I going to think email your questions anytime uh, your dear uh, penthouse forum stories that some of you have chosen to write in Team McKernan at InsideSTL.com questions anything is welcome anything is welcome T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com Thank you, as always, to listening. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been The Tim McKernan Show. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial.